Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And have you ever sat in a conference and your eyes are like the size of saucers as you're hearing a bunch of stuff that is blowing your mind and you feel a little overwhelmed and don't know how to digest it? Uh, that just happened to me with Ben Humble. He is Humble CEO. I was at a investment strategy mastermind that I got invited to. Some dear friends of ours, Dr. Barbara and Tim, looped me in with a bunch of other people. And it was incredible to have this uh, smaller, more invested time with our Humble CEO. So I would love to introduce you, Ben. Thank you for being our guest today. Oh, so excited to be here. Dr. Shannon Crawford, let's go. Let's help some people. <laughs> so you guys have to understand what a big deal it is that uh, Ben Humble is our guest today. He was born in Romania in 1985 during a time of communism, and his family escaped the country before the revolution and landed in a refugee camp in Austria in 1990. After immigrating to Canada and finally being reunited with his siblings, Ben developed a passion for life and gratitude. At an early age, he dreamed of building an empire. Come on, dream big. <laughs> Mm. I love it. And he's motivating, entertaining, and investing in other people, which is all what our channel is about. He attended school for music and then dropped out to pursue a career in business. Becoming a millionaire at age 30, Ben has raised 35000 off-market and did 300 real estate deals. He created a subprime company that helped dozens of families change their financial future. He is the founder of an educational real estate company called Cashflow Tribe, which y'all have to check that out, helping Canadians achieve financial freedom through building successful real estate businesses. He continues to change lives through the passion for speaking, teaching, and coaching. He feels that it's his calling to serve people and create a massive impact. Ben believes in faithful steward and practicing abundance mindset. Ben considers his faith as his greatest asset and recognizes the power of always staying humble but hungry. Can you unpack that for us? Who is this guy and why do you love being humble but hungry? So, yeah, so I was born in communist country of Romania in 1985. My daddy is 27 years old. He has five children and he had to make the hardest decision of his life. Does he stay with the language and the people and the culture that he knows, right. even though he's being oppressed, persecuted? Or does he run and flee and leave everything behind? And he made a choice through, you know, vision from God to just run. And he did. He left. So we ran. We escaped communism in 1989. Our family uh, was disconnected for a few months until communism fell in Romania. We were reunited in a refugee camp in Austria. And then we moved to Canada, where I spent 30 years. So growing up, as the oldest of nine children in an immigrant household wow. and to parents who decided to, to run for more opportunity, yeah. it, it internalizes this thing inside of you that number one, anything is possible. 
Number two, you have to work for it, though. And number three, you have to live with this unrelenting faith that if you simply move in the right direction, yeah. um, the gaps will open and you'll be able to move and, and achieve the outcome for your life that you've decided. So everything is a choice. Everything is an opportunity for you to win. So I live with a positive attitude. I love helping and inspiring people. I love working with people from adversity because I believe that adversity is your greatest weapon. Yeah. You decide where you end up through faith in God, through movement, and through using your resources. There's no reason you can't become financially free. And there's no reason you can't live an incredible life mm. on this earth. So we only got one life. Dr. Shannon. And that's why I live the way that I do is to impact, to help people, to get results and we can go change the world together. Come on. I love it. And I have your book on from communism to capitalism. So I think everybody needs to get that one for mm. sure. Your story is so compelling. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Absolutely. So if you were sitting down with somebody grabbing coffee and they're working a nine to five job, they love the security and the comfort, but they kind of feel this nudge toward more and the possibility of starting with passive income, but they don't necessarily have a lot of money to start with. What would be some initial, oh, let me pause myself and say, this is not psychological advice. This is not real estate advice. Um, we're just kind of giving some vignettes to help percolate ideas. So you're mm. sitting next to this person. What would you start the conversation with? Mm. Number one, it's about inspiration. So where did that nudge come from? Let's give that thing a voice. Mm -hmm. We have to identify why you want more in the first place or why you want different. Yeah. I believe every human has a purpose. I believe you were given a purpose by God. And when you feel that nudge, that's your purpose speaking out when your voice isn't. That's and it good. goes, hey, you were destined for more than just this. See, the basic human intrinsic need is this one word, progress. We mm -hmm. all have it. Yeah. And if we don't progress, we start digressing. Mm -hmm. We digress, we die. So every human needs progress in whatever shape and form that looks like in their life. I have to understand how intense will you pursue progress? Mm -hmm. And how do we define progress in your life? To some people, it's financial freedom. To others, it's quitting their nine to five job and being able to be their own boss. To other people, it's just not living in panic about money every single day. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing is we need to understand the root of that. If you've got enough pain, you've got enough opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe people move towards success. I believe yeah. people move away from pain. So mm -hmm. if you're in a very comfortable lifestyle, you have everything you could have possibly wanted. You've got a great family, great health. It's very difficult to break out of comfort unless there's truly a much bigger catalyst or much bigger reason. Yeah. Many cases in our lives, Dr. Shannon, I think we have defining moments. Something happens at some point that forces you to reevaluate the way you live your life, mm -hmm. financially, emotionally, relationally. And I think that it's those catalysts that, that push you forward. For me, coming as an immigrant, I started with less than zero. You know, when you start with zero, it's, it's an American citizenship. That's starting at zero. Mm -hmm. You were born into an incredible country where you get to start at zero. That's a privilege. Mm -hmm. You weren't born in the U.S. or Canada. You start below zero. You have to get to zero. Yeah. And for people who start below zero, you have a very strong defining reason to go into the positive. Yeah. So the very first thing I would do is just get real serious with somebody and say, are you sure? Are you sure? Because you have to do one 
pivotal thing that most people refuse to do, which is tell the truth. Mm. You have to stop lying. If you decide you want more for your life financially, the very first question is, why don't you have it already? Yeah. What exactly has been holding you back? Let's talk about your addictions. Let's talk about your fears, your insecurities. Let's talk about the things that have been holding you back because they will continue to hold you back until I believe, till somebody's willing to encounter and overcome, yeah. you will continue to find reasons for your failure. Yeah. Now I can give you tactical steps. Yes, Let's say we've gone over that, Dr. Shannon. Okay, first thing is you want to make more money in life. Making more money is only half the battle. If you have got a if you've got a, a five-gallon bucket and you've got a hole at the bottom of that bucket, that's called your personal finances. And every time you put a dollar in, 50 cents falls out. That's called your personal spending and stewardship over what you have. Mm. Very first thing we need to do is cover the bottom of that bucket. And we need to know if a dollar goes in, how much are we going to lose? Mm. How much are you going to lose to wasteful spending, not calculating, not budgeting? I believe in making more, but I've also, early on in my journey, I really, really practiced uh, faithful stewardship and budgeting over the dollars that I had. Mm -hmm. My bucket was not leaky. As a result, whether it was a dollar that came in, $100 or $100,000 or a million dollars, it was way easier to fill up my bucket when it wasn't falling out the bottom end. Yeah. So we have to do personal budgeting, folks. You got to get serious about your numbers. You have to stop lying about how you spend your money. The way you spend your money is the way that you invest your intentions. Mm. So if you spend all your money on consuming, you spend all your money on frivolous things, well, that's where your intentions live as well. So if you want to align and you want to move forward and make more money, you have to change the way that that you view and the way that you behave. Your intentions have to match so that your output can match the input. If you say that, hey, I want to be super rich, great. Are you prepared to put in the time and energy and money to do that? Mm. So let's say you're starting with zero. By the way, I love this talk because you don't need money to get started. I want to hear it. Yeah, you don't need money to get started. You don't need money to budget your own money. You don't need money to peel out a piece of paper and a pen and look at what you presently make mm -hmm. and where you presently spend. The first thing you can do that costs you $0 is to budget your money and put a couple dollars aside every single month. Mm -hmm. You have to put something aside, not because that money that you put aside becomes the money that you're going to reinvest, but it, it shows the discipline that you could one day reinvest those dollars. Yeah, that's good. I want you to know this though. If you cannot manage $1 that you have, you will not manage 10 when I loan it to you. Whoa. You feel me? Yeah. Okay. Step one, we got to look at your budget. Step two is this. Let's look at what you make per hour. What is your time actually worth? Mm. I'm going to hit you hard on this one. I mean, all time, 24 hours a day. I mean, all of it, not the time you spend at work, but what's the time you spend outside of work? What's that worth? Like, let's say in your job, you make 20 bucks an hour right now. You have a job, you get 20 bucks an hour. But yet you go home and you do $5 an hour things, right? You mm -hmm. do $5 an hour things. You have $5 conversations. You have $5 everything. Well, you're not really progressing. The formula is broken. You need to spend your time, the free time that you have, finding a way to increase your hourly value in the marketplace. So if at your job, you can only make 20 bucks an hour. The second thing is, can you get a raise? Is there a skill deficit between you and that next position? Mm, that's good. Is there a mindset deficit? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Is there an opportunity that you're just not grabbing onto because it's inconvenient? See, the easiest thing for us to do is to develop a new skill that pays us more. The secondary thing we can do is open our skill up to a different marketplace. So let's get an example. Dr. Shannon, give me an example of somebody. What's their job? What do they What do they do all day? Who, who would be an avatar listening to this show today? Someone working at American Airlines. Okay. They work. And what is their, what is their profession? What is their job title? Uh, maybe they're a dispatcher. They're a dispatcher at American Airlines. Great. What are the skills required to be a dispatcher at American Airlines? I think there's tons of training and strategy and okay. I don't know. What, so here's what I believe it would be. It has to be somebody who's organized. Mm-hmm. I believe like otherwise planes are hitting planes and that's not a good thing. You've got to be organized. You probably have to be good with some level of technology. I'm mm-hmm. guessing there's computers involved, right? I can I can break down the job role and figure out what skills did you gain for free in the experience of working at American Airlines. It's good. I'm a dispatcher. So number one, you have to be a good communicator on the phone. I just imagine there's no way you can be a poor communicator. You have to go, hey, plane A, go to plane thing, go do, 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 do. You have to operate in some level of operational integrity, which means you have to be organized. You have to follow a process, right? Now mm-hmm. I have a set of skills and I go, cool. In which marketplace can we reutilize these same skills? Let me use real estate, for example. Mm-hmm. Real estate, by the way, for me is, I'm going to say this and this might offend some people. It's the dumb man's business. <laughs> Any person can be a real estate investor, business owner. And I'll tell you why. Because there's really no risk in real estate. Mm-hmm. You are taking dollars, for example, and you are converting those dollars into what we call equity when you buy something. You buy a $100,000 piece of property and you put down $20,000, which meant that you took $20,000 in cash, you purchased the property for $100,000, you put $20,000 down on the property, and now you have a mortgage for $80,000, but that property is still worth one hundred. dollars So $100,000 is what it's worth. is what you owe. The -hmm. difference is 20 grand. So that's called equity. Meaning that if you resold it again tomorrow for $100,000, you would recapture that $20,000 of equity. So equity equals cash, cash equals equity. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So I would go, great, based on the skills you have, what is is the one skill? You might be one more skill away from Mm -hmm. being a real estate business owner. You're organized, you're great at communications, you're on the phone. I might go, maybe perhaps you should understand the process of finding off-market deals. You should understand that in real estate, you don't get paid based on your time, you get paid based on the opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you could use your skills and you could browse Craigslist right now, and you could browse the MLS right now, and you're willing to pick up the phone, talk to people, get organized and build a spreadsheet, Hey, you want a hundred thousand for the house? Would you take 90? Mm-hmm. Hey, you have, you want a hundred thousand? Would you take 85? If you could compile a deal or two deals or three perspective deals, there are plenty of other people always looking for deals. Yeah. So I think I want your audience to know one thing. We now live in the information age, Dr. Shannon, mm-hmm. we get paid based on information. We used to live in the industrial age, right? So in the industrial age, the most common narrative is you go and you work and you produce and you produce and you produce in the information age. You don't have to produce. You have to create. Yeah. Take information A connected to information B and you could literally create 10, 20, $30,000 profit, which sounds crazy. 
but it's the reality of the way the game works. So you have to be in the game that pays you more. So if I'm your audience member, I'm probably doing both at American Airlines. I'm asking, where's my promotion? Is there any way these folks would pay for me for free leadership training? Mm. If somebody's willing to pay for free management or leadership training for you, if you're willing to move into that department, I would take that skill in a heartbeat because that skill may pay you $30 an hour at American Airlines, but that skill can pay you $1,000 an hour when you launch your own small business. Mm-hmm. Take the skills, folks. Take the experience. Yeah. All of that stuff will underpay you today, but it could be the catalyst to your launching your own business. What yes. do you think of that, Dr. Shannon? I love it. Thank you so much. And I love the case vignettes. So thank you. Um, okay. So let's say they want to go into real estate, don't have a lot of capital. They have a family. How would you first start scouting those initial deals? How do you, how do you even know where to start in real estate? Yeah, if you don't Great have that question. Well, every, so keep this in mind, real estate and everything else is a business. Real estate happens to be our product. Mm-hmm. The best way to get started, if you don't know, and you don't, like like you don't have the courage to get going. It's like anything else, gain accountability. Here's what I would do. I would go on Craigslist or I would go on Google and I would find out who are the top realtors in that city? Who are the top buyers in that city? You can just Google my city, real estate investing, my city, sell my house, my city, X, Y, Z. And you will find the businesses that engage in, in real estate investing. Mm-hmm. I would then call those businesses and go, hi, are you still buying real estate? Yep, we're buying real estate. What is a good deal look like to you, Mr. Investor? And they would say, well, in this market where the houses are 100 grand, right now we'd be buying anything at 95,000. For us, that'd be a good deal. Great. Can I go into the marketplace and find deals? And if I find something for less than 95, would you consider buying it from me? What I'm doing here is I'm finding my customer before I find my product. Whoa, that's good. Work backwards. Yeah. Work backwards, right? Reverse engineer. People are so, like, the dots always connect backwards, they say, but they never connect going forward. So if if you know that premise, then work backwards. Say, who's the bot? Who's the... Who is the final customer? You could spend a few time, you know, a few hours. You could take a couple people to coffee and you'll find the biggest investors in your town. Mm-hmm. And the big investors are always buying. Wholesalers are buying, you know, real estate flippers are buying. Uh, real estate brokers have clients that are buying. People are always buying and or selling real estate. In fact, real estate is always moving up or down. Now, so I would do that. I would start with the customer. And, you, and then you could call me and say, okay. I'm Dr. Shannon. I found somebody who's buying houses. Like when we were at the event together, we had a young yeah. guy in the group and he was buying houses and he told us exactly what kind of house he was looking for, what price point he's looking to pay, what neighborhood he's buying. And he gave us the entire formula. You know what we can do? We can now go and deal hunt. Mm. We can physically door knock the, that, that area and say, hi, do you want to sell? Yeah. We could be going on Craigslist. We could be online. We could get a broker. My point is for those people that are hungry, and they understand what the customer wants, all we have to do is go and find the inventory. That is the fastest way, I believe, to get started in real estate Wow. with $0 and really no risk other than you're going to have to put your time in. And as you put in more time, Dr. Shannon, you build more experience. Experience is the ultimate catalyst for growth, my Mm -hmm. belief. Yeah. If you get a mentor and you pay dollars, it doesn't negate the fact that you still must practice and gain experience 
whether it's real estate investing or building a hot dog stand, it doesn't matter. We need that experience so that we understand better how the business works. So I would say invest some time, invest some money if you can into a mentor. That'll be a, a little bit of a shortcut, but you still will need to go through that experience, the negotiating, the discussion. Yeah. I, you know, here's what boggles me. I find so many people working in a job or a career and they're underpaid. And how do you know you're underpaid? It's because you still have a job. See, your employer makes money off of you. There's a return on investment. You're an investment for the employer. So if you make $20 an hour, do you think that they make more off of your time than 20 bucks an hour? They must. Otherwise, they wouldn't employ you. They wouldn't be in business. Yeah. They wouldn't be in business. Not very long. So mm -hmm. if you in any kind of real business, you have to understand that your labor, your human capital, your knowledge, your awareness becomes an asset to the company well and but the company has a certain box a certain product so your skills are more valuable in the marketplace than they are in your work environment as soon as you realize that you'll realize that there's way more opportunity than your small cubicle i'm not telling you to quit your job tomorrow that's yeah. not for everybody but you can do both if mm. you decide that your time is valuable and your skills are valuable then you can work after hours and on weekends, put an hour a day towards your small business and watch how quickly you can grow. But yeah. you got to take it seriously. Yeah. What do you think, Dr. Shannon? Are we close? I think it's amazing. And I'm so grateful. I'm learning a lot, actually. Um, okay. So they have a family. They're working full time. They're inspired right now. I feel yeah. it from our community. Um, mm -hmm. So there's different types of investing that you had mentioned. So there's the wholesaling and flipping and all of those. So can you just break those down for us? Yeah. So that would be running an active business. I want to clarify. Investing is the, um, the process of taking a dollar, putting it into something, doing zero work, and then getting a return. That is what I would classify as investing. If you have to do any kind of operational work, picking up a rent check or going to a property or changing a lockbox or selling a hot dog or selling a product or go like that is now to me, a small business. So you're a business operator versus being an investor. What I'm describing is this idea of running and owning your own small business mm -hmm. that will create active income for you, which will be way faster than you. And here's what most people try to do. They go to a nine to five job. They save their money. Once a year, they buy an investment home, right? They buy a duplex and they rent out the property. And there's some cash flow at the end of the month, right? Maybe a few hundred bucks. But for that cash flow, guess what? They still have to go and pick up the thing and cut the grass and X, Y, Z. So it's not really a passive investment. Mm. When you're in that form of real estate. So I would challenge people, unless you make a lot of a lot of income, you're better off to understand that you could operate a small business, generate profit from that small business, and then invest that profit. I would never invest my hard-earned dollars into something passively at a single-digit return. It doesn't mm. make any sense. I'd rather invest my hard-earned dollars into my own skills and awareness and mentorship and launch a business with those hard-earned dollars that then can spit out profits that then I can invest in long-term assets. Now, there's other ways to do deals with no money down and partnerships and joint ventures. There's a lot of other dialogue on this. But the very beginning, people need to realize, take your earned income, 
and put it back into you, your mm -hmm. business, your skills, your awareness. You're the greatest asset your company has. That's so good. And I know you said you've spent quite a bit on mastermind groups. Being I have. I've invested over $300,000 on mastermind groups, communities, and trainings because I've recognized the value, but I'm playing a different game than most people. Right. Right. I'm playing the proximity game. And I realized, listen, once until you make your first million dollars, you're still operating from a massive position of scarcity. That's mm -hmm. my belief system. And a million bucks isn't isn't as much as it used to be, obviously. When you get to a certain point of financial security, then the next thing you're going to be looking for is time freedom. Mm -hmm. When you can get financial freedom and time freedom, then it's really about purpose and identity. And I'm in the purpose and identity column, which means I get to spend all of my energy on things that really drive me, helping people, getting on stage, having conversations, building programs, doing companies that I love with people that I admire. I operate from that place. And for me, the fastest way to grow is through getting into rooms with incredible humans mm. and accelerating the relationship, which accelerates the opportunities as well. So does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And so what are some of those practical things at the lower level where most of us might be where, you know, I'm a small business owner and looking for real estate and I was going to buy a building for 3 million. Not that I have that in the bank by any means, but it was high dollar in a good area. And so I was like, should I do that? And then after going to this mastermind, I was thinking, actually, I'm probably buying at the top of the market. How do you assess a deal and identify if it's really worth that investment? Because it is investing in me. It's my business. My practice would be there with other tenants. Great. So that's what I would call a checkers question. And I would rather, you know, accelerate the conversation to what I would call a chess question. Okay. Uh, checkers isn't about what is a good deal. It's what is a good deal for you based on your outcome, based on your resources and based mm -hmm. on your willingness to invest your time. So return on investment is relative to return on time. The challenge with buying a building for let's say 3 million bucks is you're going to put your hard-earned dollars into the deal mm -hmm. unless you're doing a joint venture partner where you're the active partner, somebody else is passive, uh, which means you're going to tie up your capital. Mm -hmm. So when you tie up your capital, we're going to look at all the net cash flow and we're going to divide it by your tied up capital. And that's going to be called return on capital. We have to determine in advance before any of this calculation is what is a good return on capital for Dr. Shannon? That number will be different based on my goals, your goals, and the available capital. So for example, let's say you had a million bucks and your desired outcome was to make $100,000 a year of net positive cash flow. Well, then in that case, we would require a 10% return on capital. You take 100 grand, we divide it by a million bucks, it's 10%, right? So in your circumstance, we go, great. We need to find an asset that performs at a 10% return on cash. That's the metric that we care about because that metric gets us to our foundational outcome that we desire. So if you got an investment that was 8%, you're going to say, is this a good deal? Well, no, because you needed 10. Mm. If you get a deal that gave you 12, you're going to say, is this a good deal? I'll say it's a great deal because you only needed 10. Mm -hmm. So we have to take the resources we have. This is kind of level one of this game. Take the outcome that's desired. So I give you a common outcome that people look at. They take all their available resources and the number they choose as their outcome typically is the number that replaces whatever they earn from their nine to five job. This is called the financial freedom number. Okay. So let's just say that you take home 5,000 bucks uh, per month, right? That's 60 grand a year. Mm -hmm. Great. 
So you take 5,000 bucks per month. And let's just say that, you know, you've got a hundred thousand dollars to work with on a hundred thousand dollars. You have to generate $60,000. So that return on cash is 60%. That's way higher than 10. Yeah. So my belief is this, I'll give everybody kind of the, the, the formula, if you will. I think you can do incredibly passive investing at single digits, and that's like 5 to 9%, pretty low risk. Mm -hmm. I think you can do what we call passive active investing between 9 and 15%, which typically means that you are passively investing in somebody's active business. Yes. That's a relational investment. So for okay. example, I own a flipping company. And I'm going to flip houses, four houses a year. Dr. Shannon is going to be one of my, what we call private lenders or money partners. Okay. You bring the money, I'll bring the deal, I'll flip the house, we'll split profits, and I'll give you 15% on your money. From 15 to 25%, it's typically going to be more of an active business. You need to have a little bit of an active role. So what you could do is if you had that money, you could say, great, other than me giving you the money, Ben, house flipper, what else can I provide? Maybe Dr. Shannon is willing to provide some, uh, some other resources, a line of credit. Perhaps Dr. Shannon has some expertise in this field. Maybe she knows how to flip houses. Maybe Dr. Shannon knows how to swing a hammer real good, and she'll come every Saturday. So this is now where we're going to share the, the, the marketplace opportunity together. And then above 25, 25 to 50 is you running your own active business. That's a good margin for real estate investors. Above 50%, you've got to kind of hit some home runs or be have like some other incredible things. The only thing in my world that pays more than 50% is hiring people. The practice of investing in hiring will mm. generate a higher than 50% return per hire. If I have a hire that comes in at $50,000, I believe I can generate $75,000 of gross revenue against every salesperson that we hire. Wow. The practice of investing in your marketing, and I know I'm going quick, Dr. Shannon, so tell me if I need to slow down. This is great. I love it. If I invest in my marketing, for example, let me say I invest $10,000 in a marketing campaign that generates a whole bunch of leads where I can go ahead and buy some properties. And through all those leads, I find one great deal that nets me $10,000, which is very common numbers. I invested 10, I generated 20 gross, which means I was left with 10. So I, I put 10 in and I got 10 of profit on the back end. That'd be a hundred percent return on capital. Mm -hmm. So investing in me, masterminds, events is why I said earlier that I play a different game. I play the game of proximity where mm -hmm. I constantly generate triple digit returns just by opening up new businesses with people, launching partnerships, finding deals that most people will never get access to because they're hidden deals. They're, you know, kind of deals only available to accredited investors. So to sum all of this thing up, I have to know what your desired outcome is based mm -hmm. on whatever goal you set for yourself then we can compute a return on cash. And once we have a return on cash, Dr. Shannon, then we can go, yep, good deal, not a good deal for you. Mm -hmm. So your $3 million building, we would need to know, well, what, what do you expect and how much are you supposed to put down into this thing? Right. Do how you do you think about that? Is that, is that logical enough? Yes. Thank all, you. All money making is just math. It's as simple as math. But we, um, I think we as people, we are looking for guidance from like opinions. And at the end of the day, it's mm -hmm. math. It's, it's literally logic and math and ROIs. And if it hits a number, then you can make a non-emotional decision to buy or not buy. Oh, I love that. And the math is the equation you were talking us through earlier? Yes. Yeah. So the math is knowing exactly what the outcome and desired 
investment is like people people have an open-ended uh investment thesis and this is what we're lacking there's really oh, no okay. there's no concrete thesis it's like faith or religion like what do you believe i believe that i will continue to believe okay well i mean can you define it well not really i just believe that if i put my time and energy into my beliefs i will continue to believe one day <laughs> i'm like okay well that's not really concrete there's no sound foundational principles there yeah. You need to have a firm, like, what is, what are your 10 commandments of your faith, right? Your belief system, you must have commandments within your business and within your financing. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to be an investor, what are your 10 commandments? What, what is your belief system about money and about, about your outcomes? And if you don't have one, then we're operating blindly. We're putting money in the stock market randomly. We're kind of buying a property randomly. So in your case, I'll just kind of mm -hmm. double down on this. Mm -hmm. I want to know how much does that market appreciate? Because a $3 million property, if the market appreciated at 10% per year, well, you're going to gain $300,000 per year of equity. Fantastic. Great. That's a great, you know, that's 10% right there. Well, mm -hmm. how much cash flow will you get? Well, we'll get another 5% in cash flow. Great. Well, based on do, 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 we'll get 150,000 in cash flow. How much depreciation? which is how many write-offs do we have against the property based on the fact that the property has wear and tear. Yeah. So real estate makes money three or four different ways from cash flow to appreciation to depreciation and then debt repayment. Like how much of the debt will the tenants pay down every single year? Because mm -hmm. that, as it gets paid down, converts into equity for you. That's good. So real estate can have a 20 to 50% overall annualized return. It just won't all be in the form of cash flow. Yeah. Some will be in the form of equity growth. Okay. And I love the comparison because a lot of people are from the Dave Ramsey model of never buy anything unless you have cash and never use credit cards. And so I love how we were talking about if somebody has a problem with spending and there's an addiction there where, and I have some clients that have dealt with that, that probably that is a good strategy if that's the season you're in until you don't have holes in your bucket. But then after that, now we're actually transitioning mindsets. What would you say about leveraging capital to use that as investment? Yeah, great. So first of all, I think a lot of people crap on Dave Ramsey a lot. And I see them and maybe not in your community, but outside no. of the faith community, a lot of people crap on him because he doesn't, he doesn't advocate for leverage in this and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. I think Dave Ramsey has an incredibly important foundational yes. message for people mm -hmm. that if you don't know how to budget, if you can't save a thousand bucks, if you, if you can't do the basics that all of the other cool, fun things mm -hmm. are only relevant in a hot growing market. As soon as the market corrects, all the real estate investors yeah. who leverage are going to be underwater, which is happening right now to a lot of different people. Canada just corrected about 20%. A lot of people underwater. The U.S. markets have cooled off. People are underwater because people have this thing, greed, mm -hmm. and they leverage too much. I love leverage. I love what I call stewardship leverage. Mm -hmm. If the money was entrusted to you and you had to repay it and the money was given to you and it was full recourse and you know it was everybody's money that you cared about, number one, I want to be a financial steward because my family needs a return and I'm the best person to give it to them. But we have to be responsible in the way that we leverage. So as a young man, I've raised over $40 million private capital and deployed it into real estate deals. It was incredible. Leverage equals power. I just want people to understand that in my world, I have a primary exit on every deal. 
secondary, and even a, a tertiary exit, meaning I know what I'm going to do in the best case scenario, and I know what I'm going to do in the worst case scenario. Okay. For example, in the best case scenario, I'm going to flip a property on the market and, and, and take some profit off the table. In a worst case scenario, I've already done the math and allocated resources for me to keep that property in my own portfolio for the next 20 years and produce drips of cash flow for the next 20 years. So you have to write your wrongs at the beginning when it comes to investing in leverage. Leverage is a powerful tool, especially with real estate, but I don't advocate for reckless leverage. Like I wouldn't yeah. advise somebody to go to their line of credit, take 50,000 and then on margin, leverage the 50,000 to buy $400,000 worth of stock. And the reason for that is because you don't control that marketplace. Yeah. By the way, I've learned hard lessons. When I was 23, I bought a, I bought a training program from doesn't matter who. I invested $25,000 into learning how to trade stocks and options. And then I, and then because I wasn't prepared mentally and emotionally for what roller coaster was about to come, I proceeded to lose in the neighborhood of 80 to $100,000 because I leveraged aggressively. And on the worst day of my life was the day that I had to press that sell button because I was trading in short-term options that had expiration dates and they were expiring worthless. And I pressed that button and that lost. And I was cursing and pounding the table. My poor little Yorkie was in the corner running away. You know, he was upset. And I made a vow. I said, never again will I allow myself to enter a state of mind of greed. I will, I will always ask if this was God's money, would he want me to invest it here? Mm, good. So I think the way we evaluate risk is what's important here. What do you view as risky? But I also, and I got to say this bluntly, do not live in fear of leverage. Mm. That, that, is a, that is a mistake. That is a drastic mistake for you to live in fear about leverage, mm -hmm. for you to have zero credit card debt, for you to have, like, if you have no credit card at all and you lose your job tomorrow, how do you put food on the table? I know, an emergency fund, but what if you don't have one? Right. So I believe that once you learn the basics of financial discipline, then you can master financial leverage. But do not play leverage until you have discipline. But also, you can't just play discipline your whole life because you're just playing defense and never offense. So these days, I live in a massive offense. Mm -hmm. I play to win. I, most people play so that they don't lose. I play to win. Yeah. Big difference. And by the way, I think, again, Dave's message is for the masses, mm -hmm. but I'd be surprised if Dave doesn't have businesses and partnerships that also have credit and leverage and things like, again, he, he, he has to, I think he has to keep up a narrative to help most people because most people right. will be financially reckless. Right. So I think he has a mandate to uphold that statement, but I mean, a lot of other people got incredibly wealthy by using leverage. So I think it's a, it's a responsibility game. It's not a right and wrong game. It's That's good. Are you right and wrong yeah. for the leverage? Yeah. And leverage the motivation. The yeah. You, right. Yeah. And I love the motivation. Is it fear? Is it greed? Because based on personality and life experience, we can go to either extreme, neither of which are good stewardship because none, none of that is faith. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. What are your thoughts on whole life? insurance and then using that as investment capital i think people need to divide their money into three or four different buckets so i think for most people 
the Dave Ramsey approach is to keep a chunk of your money in a safe zone. And mm -hmm. a safe zone would be that single digit interest kind of bucket. So I think for most people, putting your money into a whole life is, is smart only because it has much less risk. Mm -hmm. Like you put it into there. I'm sure there's insurance behind it. Use your own money. And, and, and it's a way to kind of take your seeds and replant your seeds and then use use money to to kind of grow. I, I think it's a great formula for a lot of people, but I, I, I'm not putting 90% of my money into that. Okay. I might, let's just say I take, let, let, me, let me take an allocation for most people. Let me say I'm going to take 60, 20, 20. So 60% goes into low risk, low yield, which mm -hmm. is, that's what that is. That's the low yield. Yeah. Especially initially. Uh, and I'll park 60% of my capital because that's the money that I can use and tap into and I can sleep well at night. I can use that money to go buy some business things. I can buy a vehicle. I can make some other investment decisions, et cetera. And I think it's a smart play. I'm going to put 20% of my money into what I would call active opportunities. Active opportunities have risk exposure, but they're also produce a much higher rate of return. So that's a small business. That's a real estate investment deal. That's buying some, some stocks. That's there's, there's a lot of different asset categories, but something that's going to give you at least a double digit return. I want to have double digit or mid double digit as my target. And then the third one that people don't talk about often is going to be my high risk, high yield opportunities, mm -hmm. high risk, high yield with 20% of my money is going to be crypto and penny stocks and private equity companies. Now, why, why do I do that stuff? And I'll give you the exact reason. Most of us are what we call financial laggards, not leaders. Mm -hmm. Most real estate investors are laggards, meaning we waited until real estate became de-risked before we participated in real estate deals. Mm -hmm. But because we waited so long for it to be a proof of concept, we missed tremendous opportunities. So what is the riskiest has, so you buy, if you bought Bitcoin back when it was $500, right? It was incredibly risky, let's just say, but now it's at 20,000 ish dollars. And you're like, wow, what an incredible return. So I think that you should always be a leader in something, technology, investments. Mm. If you never put money in there, you'll never have the opportunity for massive, massive potential gains. Now, will you bat one out of 10? Sure. Mm -hmm. But when you hit an Amazon or a Google or you hit you know, a Bitcoin or something of that nature. But here's my, here's my rule. Number one, it has to be illiquid, meaning you can't touch it. Mm -hmm. You can't put high risk money into something that you need to eat. It, like if you need that money back, yeah. it, it, it can't be put into high risk deal, mm -hmm. which is my second rule is that it has to be throwaway money or discretionary money. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is that it has to be material enough to make a real difference. You know, I had somebody say, oh man, I made like 3000% return on this penny stock. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. How much did you put in? Like I put in like a thousand dollars. Like, okay, that's cool. But like, had you put in a hundred grand, 50 grand, 20 grand, it would have been really a material difference that would have changed the quality of your life. Mm. So I think it's important to make sure that it's illiquid, it's throwaway money, but this position size is big enough that if it does hit, but are you saying that's a lottery? I'm saying that's probability. If you have $0 in high probability or low probability, but high yield opportunities, you're going to miss that chance. Mm -hmm. So I think Asset allocation is a principle Warren Buffett teaches uh, and a lot of other kind of fundamental investing thought leaders mm -hmm. that we as individuals need to adopt. But that comes back to the very first thing that I said here, Dr. Shannon, which is 
do you budget your money? Mm. Does it, do you, are you a faithful steward of the few dollars that you have? Yeah, it's good. So I love to educate on this because it's not difficult stuff. It's not, it's not complex, uh, but it requires a person to make a decision to be faithful with what they have and be responsible. That's good. Okay. My next question, case vignette, somebody loves their job. They don't want to go learn everything about real estate and investing in markets, but they do want to set up their family for more passive income so they can spend more time with their family. They don't want to leave their job. So what are other ways that people can diversify and still be investing and developing capital for the future while staying where they're at? And they don't have a ton of time to learn. Yeah, so this is a hard one, but I think that everything that you um, everything that you neglect eventually breaks down. Mm. So what I mean by that is, I believe people need to bet on the jockey, not the horse. Mm-hmm. If you're going to put your money anywhere, I'm not going to diversify my risk by putting it into different buckets because maybe all those buckets are controlled by the same person making the same poor decisions. (laughs) I want to diversify my risk by putting it with different people that are all incredibly smart and gifted at what they do. The best thing you can do before you park your money is ask who's in charge of managing it. Mm -hmm. So let's just say it's a stock. Who's in charge of the decisions in the stock? right? You park it with Tesla, you literally park it with Elon Musk. Whatever decisions he makes is going to affect the value of that stock. If he decides to go and smoke pot on a podcast, that'll affect the stock. If he goes to the moon, that'll affect the stock. Everything will affect the stock. So it's important to understand when you park your money into real estate, it's not the deal. It's the person behind the deal. The person behind the deal, if it's the right person, will always get a deal to begin with. And number two, the person behind the deal, when it goes bad, if the market cools or whatever, they're already prepared to deal with it and have resources, connection and other capital. Mm -hmm. But when you park money into like a good investment, uh, a shell of an investment vehicle with no leader and no qualified operator is always a horrible idea. That's such good insight. Thank Stop you. Stop looking at the numbers and look at the person who drives those numbers and ask, ask yourself, do I believe in this human? Mm. If you don't, then you should spend your time and energy getting to know the person wherever possible. If you can't get to know Elon, read his blogs, understand his philosophy. What I want people to get is this, understand a, person, a person's investment thesis understand a person's core values mm-hmm. and understand a person's final call it legacy. For me, I believe in kingdom ROI. So all my money is going to go back to the kingdom. If you ever invest with me and I become a quabillionaire, it's going back to the kingdom. When I die, simple, I don't need statues in yeah. my honor. I don't need to be remembered. I need to go and help people. Mm-hmm. That's it. And the way that I get to do that is with my financial acumen. So If you're investing in my deals, you're investing in me. And if you're investing in me, you're investing in the charities and things that I want to support, like the fight global human trafficking. That's that's the way you should evaluate because your dollars go somewhere. I have people that I think are good operators that have a good business, but because of where the money's going to go after, Mm. I don't agree with how they're going to spend the money after. So I don't want to be an enabler. Mm, mm -hmm. Listen, if you're going to enable somebody through wealth creation, make sure you know where that wealth is going to go. Yeah. I love that. That makes sense. So I know this is kind of a complicated answer, 
because you're like, well, I don't know who's in charge. That's the problem. The mm -hmm. problem is you bought into a hedge fund, a mutual fund, your 401k got vested into something. You have no idea basket of stocks, mutual fund. Mm -hmm. You have no idea who's in charge of those decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's your greatest risk. Yeah, that's good. The market, okay, last... Go ahead. Keep going. No, no, go here. I want to hear. I was going to say one thing. The market, the market is um, an emotional organism. It doesn't like market doesn't move on fundamentals and technicals alone. It also moves on sentiment. Mm -hmm. Sentiment drives market. Yeah. So you have to understand what is a person person state of emotional volatility or emotional intelligence mm -hmm. when the market does like black swan event things. If we don't know how a person's going to react, that's your biggest outlier. That's mm -hmm. the problem with, with the investment is the person doesn't have strong moral standing. They take off with your money when it goes bad. They quit too early. They don't know what to do. They don't have the experience. So my experience is always bet on the jockey. Simple as that. If you, and if you don't know the jockey, don't bet. Don't play the game. Don't put your money there. I like that. Um, last question. So Warren Buffett would say, don't lose money. The first rule. And the second rule is don't lose money. So a lot of people are held back by the fear of risk and losing money. And, and so how does someone steward both the reality that I can lose money, risk is worth it. I want to be a wise steward. How do you kind of make that initial step forward wisely? Yeah. Don't move. Don't lose money recklessly. Listen, there's a school of thought in business that we need to operate at a 70%, uh, accuracy ready fire aim speed mm -hmm. is power so if you're going to launch a small business you're like it's not a hundred percent perfect you're never going to win you're going to fail most businesses fail because they don't work fast enough you have to take calculated risks and you have to operate from a position where it's okay to optimize and fail and optimize and fail and optimize mm -hmm. it's business is nothing but practice Mm -hmm. So I agree, reckless risk. And the way that we mitigate risk is we have to understand as many possible variables. Again, like I said, if you're going to park money into an investment and not know who the decision maker is, that's how you're going to lose money. And when mm -hmm. you do, if, listen, if you sit down with somebody and you lost their money, are you going to be able to check off a, li a list of things that said, I did this due diligence and this due diligence and this due diligence. If you do your due diligence and you have what I would call core foundational principles, then even when the market goes against you, because inevitably you will lose some dollars. It's right. not your choice. You know what I mean? Like don't lose money. If, if you're being reckless, then I think you're violating his principle. But if the market cools and you bought a stock and you did your homework, oh my God, I'm a horrible investor. No, no, no. The market turned on you. You, you are not perfect. You are not perfect. You will encounter loss. It's what you do in the loss that makes sense. Yes. So, plus again, I think, some of these statements need to be taken into context. Warren mm -hmm. Buffett buys companies. Warren Buffett is not a retail investor buying, you know, blank mutual funds and things that like the average consumer would buy. He's taking equity positions into companies. He's buying whole companies and reselling them. He's playing a different game. He's in the private equity space. Mm -hmm. So I think don't lose money. Don't be a blind retail consumer. If you don't know anything about stocks and bonds and RSPs, then get into small business. Get in a small business where you can control the variables and yeah. you can control and hedge the bets. And if you're like, well, I don't have time for that. I have my job. I love my job. Great. Then what you should do is you should join a mastermind or go to an event and find a whole bunch of active operators in whatever industry you could be passionate about 
and find a way to partner with those people and help them drive greater revenue and then partake in that abundance. Boom. <laughs> Drop the mic. This is so good. Thank you, Ben. I'm so grateful. And I know you have an event coming up in Vegas. Did you want to share about that? Sure. Yeah. We've got the Humble Business Retreat happening in Vegas, November 7th through 10th. Um, it's for people who are either small business or want to get into business. They're entrepreneurs and maybe they're stuck in the weeds. A lot of small business owners become technicians. They, they become slaves to their own business. They don't know how yeah. to get out. Yeah. So we're going to have a great time, but we're going to focus on ROI, how to build sales, marketing, ops, finance, and people, how to create the right kind of business plan. We expect people to leave with a very clear set of takeaways that they can accelerate their business growth, drive more revenue. And that's November 7th through 10th in Vegas at the Humble Business Retreat. So very excited. This is the fourth one we're doing this year. We keep it very small and intimate. So we'll have about 35 people. It's at my home. So you're going to get mama's home cooking. Come on. And, and, and we have our home. So we're going to be talking real estate, investments, and business. Mm -hmm. And all of them are interconnected. We're also going to talk about your mindset, the way that you see the world, the way that yeah. you evaluate decisions about business and life. And uh, we're going to get some workouts in together. It is a very, very good time. I do not do boring events. It's not within <laughs> my nature. So awesome. if you're coming, you're going to have a blast and leave with some massive takeaways. Love it. And then people, can they plug in with Cashflow Tribe? Yeah, cashflowtribe.com. Join mm -hmm. the community. It's totally free to do that and start to learn about real estate. We also have a Facebook group. You can join us there. Okay. Uh, we've got classes and, and, and courses and you can shadow if you want for a while and just watch people or you can get plugged in and do some deals. If you're already doing deals, a lot of people in there with capital and deal opportunities. So Love it. Uh, I would join that community for yes. sure. Be a part of the combo. And then he has two books that you can find at humbleceo.co. I think it's humble.ceo. Yeah. Humble.ceo uh, from communism to capitalism and then real estate secrets exposed. Both of those books are on Amazon and all the proceeds go back to, to charity to go to caring house project to build homes in in Haiti. So we donate all the proceeds of our content books and stuff like that. I just think that's, that's one small way we can impact the world. So I, I know that. the book is very impactful to a lot of people. Um, it was a bestseller. So, you know, you might want to grab a copy, read it and, you know, maybe go help somebody in the process. I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Ben. It's a privilege to have your wisdom and expertise. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great day. You too. Bye everybody. And we'll see you for the next episode.